Welcome to the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Well, today is the day we remember our friends, our family, our ancestors who are no longer in this world, but who without, we would not be here. And we honor them and we remember them. I have a little altar here that I've made with a representation of the Buddha in his final days and a plaque that says, to all the many generations of Zen ancestors and an incense burner. And we remember them as well, for we would not be there without them. And this is the great mystery. Where have they gone? Where are we going to go when we leave this world? To answer that question, all the great religions, all the philosophers, all the scientists have either come up with some proposals or just thrown up their hands and says, I have no idea what will be. Buddhism is no different. Buddhism had some traditional answers for where and what happens after we die. The Buddha was a traditional man of India 2,500 years ago. I just came from India, so I know that he inherited beliefs that existed before his time. A man of India, he inherited traditional Indian beliefs on rebirth. These beliefs then came to China and Japan. Dogen, a man of the 13th century, also inherited these beliefs. Some people say that Dogen was a great modernist. But actually, he was a traditional man of traditional culture in his time. And what we're going to read now was written towards the end of his life. He may have been very sick at the time. He only lived until his 50s. He actually died. He was younger than I am now. And that was a very old man back then. Sometimes it feels like a very old man even now. But in these final days, he wrote this, which is a very traditional view of what happens when we die and his advice. He wrote, this is from Doshin, one of his final sections of the Shobogenzo. When you leave this life and before you enter the next life, there is a place called an intermediary realm. Sometimes in Buddhism, this is called the bardo. It's kind of the, the waiting room. You stay there for seven days. You should resolve to keep chanting the names of the three treasures without ceasing while you are there. Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. That's the three treasures to us. After seven days, you die in the intermediary realm and remain there for no more than seven days. At this time, you can see and hear without hindrance, like having a celestial eye. 
Resolve to encourage yourself to keep chanting the names of the three treasures without ceasing. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. After passing through the intermediary realm, when you approach your parents to be conceived. Now, in Buddhism, we don't believe in a soul. So the question was, what actually passes on to the next? The way the Buddhists resolve this is to say, well, there is no soul, but there is some kind of continuing stream of like the, the wave of causation that you have, your karma, like falling dominoes, is passing on. And it's a very traditional Buddhist belief, to make it very simple. If you were good in this life and previous lives, you will be born in a good place. And if you were bad, as an animal, as a ghost, maybe even in hell, we had our vision of hell too, with all the fire and the devils, just like those other folks. This vibration, this soul, this whatever, finds a man and a woman just at the right moment, you know what's going on, flies into the womb, and voila. So it says, keep, when you approach your parents to be conceived, resolve to maintain authentic wisdom. Keep chanting refuge in the three treasures in your mother's womb. Do not neglect chanting while you are given birth. Resolve deeply to dedicate yourself to chant and take refuge in the three treasures through the three, six sense roots. That means through your senses, through your mind. Always keep these chants before you. When your life ends, your eyesight will suddenly become dark. Know that this is the end of your life and be determined to chant, I take refuge in the Buddha then all Buddhas in the ten directions will show compassion to you. Even if due to conditions you are bound to an unwholesome realm, you will be able to be born in the Deva realm. That's one of the heavens, the good places, where the, uh, how to say, all we all live in mansions and have thrones and all the cotton candy and ice cream we wish. The buffet is always open. Actually, I don't think the Divas get hungry. That's an interesting point. I have to check that later. But it's a good place. Or in the presence of the Buddha, you may be reborn. Bow and listen to the Buddha. So the Dogen, at least in this period in his life, was a very traditional fellow. People sometimes ask me, what do you think? And they say, Jim, you're a very skeptical, modern guy. You believe in science. You don't believe in superstition. You always say that. And I say, well, I think someday people in the 25th century will look back at us and they will say, those people in the 21st century, how silly. Do you know they believed in gravity? The things we take for granted now will someday seem ridiculous to someone. And looking back in the 13th century or 2,500 years ago, we may look at some of these beliefs and say, how funny, how quaint. But you know something? I'm the kind of skeptic who says, but in fact, who knows? Who knows? Anything is possible. My strongest argument for why this is possible to be reborn 
is that it's so silly, so ridiculous, so impossible, so miraculous to be, have to be born once. Here we are in the middle of time and space. How did we get here? All the things that were involved from the Big Bang to your grandparents falling in love and your mom and dad on the, you know, falling in love and all these things and the air and the trees. And here we are. It's ridiculous. It's, a, it's, it's silly. What are we doing here once? Might as well happen again. And if it happens twice, might as well happen many times. But you know, in Buddhism, traditionally, rebirth was not a good thing. The Buddha, I think, I just came from India. India is a hard place. He said, actually, we want to get out of being reborn. So when you become the Buddha from the cycle of birth. However, for most of us, we live in a world where our good actions may bring us heavens and our bad actions may bring us hell. So I usually say to folks, I don't know about the next life. And to be honest, I kind of doubt these very detailed descriptions that we're going to look at today. But I know people who create heaven and hell for them in this life. So if you're good, if your heart is peaceful, if you're nonviolent, if you're generous and giving, you will create a kind of heaven in your heart for yourself, and maybe for the people around you, and maybe for your community. And if there is a next life, according to Buddha, maybe you'll be born with the divas. And if you're filled with anger and violence and greed and jealousy, I tell you, you have a real hell right now in your heart, in this life. And for the people around you, maybe, you can make their lives like hell. So maybe in the next life that will lead you to a bad place, but I'll tell you in this life right now, be gentle, be good. Okay, that's my view. Whatever the situation, if there's heaven or hell in the next life, I know there is in this life. Be good, be gentle. So anyway, People think that Soto Zen in general is very rational, scientific religion. Tell you the truth, it's not. It's a religion. Throughout its history, Buddhism also had ceremonies and beliefs, many of which we're encountering today, to say we have to help the spirits on their way, or the spirits, that's not the right word, this whatever. The, the Japanese actually have a a strange relation to this that I'll explain in a second. Even though in Buddhism we're not supposed to have spirits, as I said, it's kind of a vibration that continues, the Japanese speak of spirits. Even though there's rebirth in traditional Buddhism, the Japanese don't like it. They don't want their grandfather reborn in some other family. They want their grandfather to stay around in this family. So the Japanese priest always kind of, as we say, hem and haw on this, if you ask them. Where did grandpa go? Now, according to traditional Buddhism, after a few days, seven days or 49 days, he was reborn in heaven or hell or somebody else in the human world here, in some other family. 
And the Japanese don't want that. They said, no, no, we want our grandpa to stay in our family and his spirit to stay around us. So the Japanese priests, if you ask them, kind of throw up their shoulders and say, well, he was reborn, but he's still here. <laughs> so you're going to see that there's a little ambiguity in the, the, the ceremonies. But let's look at these ceremonies. And here's my job as Jundo, the Buddhist modernist. You can take these ceremonies which have a lot of magic and superstition and say, they're meaningless, let's get rid of these. That's one option. Or you can be a kind of traditional person, and there are many still in Buddhism, not just in Asia and the West, who say, no, we must take this literally. This is what it says in the book, and we must believe this. I leave that to you. Or you can do what I do, which is to say, look, we can take these beliefs and try to look at them in a modern way, finding meaning in social and real terms. Is Do we have to throw them away or can we find some beauty in them now? That's what I'm going to try to do for you. But let's look at the modern belief. This is from an essay by Kopu Hinkle on the uh, Soto Zen funerals. Zen Buddhist ceremonies for the dead, most of which originated in 10th century China before Dogen, all right? Funeral ceremonies performed by the living can help the intermediary realm being, the stream of consciousness, to realize complete awakening or to be born in a pure land, that's where the Buddha lives, or at least rebirth in the upper realms of gods, or back here in human beings, which is kind of in the middle place. We're, in, we're between heaven and hell right here. In Soto Zen, the funeral for lay people begins with ordaining the deceased as a Zen priest. Shuke Tokudo. Now, everybody who dies in Japan becomes a priest with the idea that a priest will get a good reward in the next life. So the funeral in Japan is actually a priest's ordination. They shave the head. They give the precepts. It's very much like our Jukai. They give a little robe. Now you're going to ask the question, you know, the part of the ceremony, they ask the, the, the precepts. You're supposed to say, yes, I will abide by the precepts. But how does the, the deceased fellow say that? You know, will you promise not to steal? And the priest who's doing the ceremony goes, yes, yes. No, actually, they, you hear it in your heart. The guy doesn't do ventriloquism. But we assume that the deceased has agreed to abide by the precepts. So they, um, they receive the Bodhisattva precepts, Jukai, uh, the next part of the ceremony, the initiation into awakening, and the blood lineage document, like many of our Jukai recipients receive, the Kechimiyaku, as a blessed talisman. Then there are words of guidance and encouragement for the deceased. They give them kind of a roadmap and instructions for what to do in the next world, such as Dogen did here about chanting for the three treasures. By the way, again, is this literally true? I leave it to you, but, but please remember this. If you do die, you wake up in the intermediary realm. Remember what Dogen told you and start chanting. All right, just make a mental note, please. You close your eyes, you wake up, oh, 
I take refuge in Buddha. I take, or if you're the other religion, I, I don't think it matters. You can say Jesus. Whatever you wish, I don't think it matters. I'm going to say that as a Buddhist. That's sacrilegious to some people. But anyway, as part of the ceremony, they give some guidance and encouragement. Hang in there, guy. You'll get a good rebirth. Hang in there. We're with you. We're chanting for you. Then there's the recitation of the Ten Names of Buddha and a dedication of merit to adorn the deceased place of to uh, adorn the deceased place of destination wherever it may be. Incense is offered as nourishment for the intermediate realm scent eaters. There are certain spirits in the intermediary realm who are helping the deceased, and they eat the incense. So actually, we're burning incense here. The scent of the incense is actually the food to sustain these helpful spirits in the intermediary realm. Okay, and you thought it was just incense. Now, since nobody can know the destination of the deceased person's stream of consciousness, the living just encourage and assist it towards awakening. It is taught that the intermediate, intermediate realm beings and other non-physical beings, such as hungry spirits, can hear speech in the other world, perceive thoughts and intentions, and meet the living in various ways imperceptible on the gross level with their subtle immaterial bodies and sense facilities. Let me tell you something. This, we need this because you miss your mother. I miss my parents and loved ones. Human beings, is this real? Yes, it's real, at least in my heart, but it, it, it's real out there, fine. But I need to speak to my deceased mother and father sometimes. And, and all the, my friends, I've, I found out this year, two of my dearest friends left this world. And I, it was a shock and a surprise, and I miss them. I need to speak to them sometimes. Can they hear me? I hear. I hear them in my heart. I hear their voice right now speaking to me in my heart. So whether whatever you take this to be, speaking to the deceased, even praying for them and, and wishing that if there is another world that they are at peace or go a good place. Yes, of course, we love them. Of course. That's what's going on here. So you take this as you will, but in the very least, they're here in my heart. They're here. Now, memorial ceremonies are performed every seven days after death, calling on different Buddhas and Bodhisattvas to help the deceased realize awakening or birth in a pure land. That's where the Buddha lives. For each of the seven weeks of the intermediate realm, up to 49 days. That's why if you ever go to a Japanese funeral, they have the funeral, then they have a ceremony on the seventh day, and they have a, supposedly another one, 49 days, and it continues. Now, here's the thing. Business is business in Japan. It's not like the old days. Families are living all over the place now, and it's not easy for the families to get together for a funeral. Most of the funerals now actually compress the funeral on the first day and the seventh-day ceremony into one ceremony. 
because they knew the family can't come back so easily. And that ceremony on the seventh day is very important. What to do? The priests in Japan said, oh, very easy. Like Einstein, we'll bend time. We bring the seventh day to the first day. Solved. Buddhists, we, we have this ability like physicists. We can bend time. So the seventh day ceremony actually takes place on the first day now in Japan. All right. So uh, for each of the seven weeks uh, of the intermediate realm, up to 49 days, when the intermediate being has either realized complete awakening, then he's a Buddha, then he's out of the game. He's, he's escaped the cycle of birth and death. Or he's been born in a pure land. That's where, for example, Amida Buddha lives. And that's a very good place because it's very easy to practice there. And, or he's been born in one of the six realms as a bodhisattva, hopefully one of the upper six realms, or as an ordinary being. Annual memorials in Japan are traditionally performed up to 33 years, the maximum time in human years. Now, let me tell you, this is lovely too. You go to a Japanese cemetery. The spirit fades, the memories, the pain the loss. The love remains, but people remember the funeral, the first ceremony, the seventh year ceremony. People come. The Japanese people, the families get together. But after that, the ceremonies become sometimes forgotten, lighter, like our memories. The, it's the person who has gone has now returned to the world and so sometimes these ceremonies are not honored as often as they they were in the past perhaps but you know the japanese even reuse the grave in the west we don't do that you put the this is your grave forever you're going to stay here no 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 after this period has ended what's left of the bones and ashes are removed there's a special place in the temple where they place this and the grave is given to someone else. There's nothing there anymore. The memory, the spirit has returned to where it should be. People find that shocking that they reuse the graves in Japan. But no. Anyway, space here is at a premium. Right? You're only renting your grave in Japan. All right. Now, where was I here? Um, annual memorials in Japan are traditionally performed up to 33 years, the maximum time in human years it takes for a bodhisattva in a pure land to realize complete awakening. So, in other words, some people have already passed to new lives quickly after a day or, se I mean, after seven days, after 49 days at the outside for those slow pokes. The folks in the Buddha, in the pure land, may need the 33 years, so we keep chanting. But actually, by this time, most people have already assumed their new lives. But as I said, the Japanese don't really want this because this is all about ancestor worship in Japan. They want the spirits of the ancestors to stay in the house. They don't want them to go to some other family. So there are all kinds of ceremonies that actually represent the families 
saying that these people are still here when there's a meal, when there's a celebration, when a child gets into a good school, when someone's sick, when some baby is born, it is announced to these relatives. They are in the house. There's a special place in the house to represent them. Meals, the new year, they are there. Other times uh, they're said to be in the other world, there are days when they come to visit, the Obon holiday in Japan. All right, now we're going to read about that. Ceremonies for feeding the hungry ghosts are performed every evening in Zen monasteries. Now, this is another thing. This is not a hell, but if you were a greedy, hungry person, you go to a realm where you're a hungry ghost. A hungry ghost can never be satisfied. There are pictures of hungry ghosts where their neck is so small and tight that they're hungry, 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 but nothing will enter the mouth. This is to be a hungry ghost. There's a famous story about the hungry ghost and the spoons. A fellow goes to the world of hungry ghosts and he sees all the hungry ghosts trying to feed themselves with these incredibly long spoons. And the spoons are so long they can't get them to their mouth. So they're all starving. If only that they realized they could feed each other, they would not be hungry. But they're so greedy that they only try to feed themselves and they can't do it. All they have to do is think about the other person. Do these realms of hungry ghosts really exist? Some people believe that there are truly a realm of hungry ghosts. You know what? I've seen it in myself. My own greed, my own selfishness. I've seen it in this world. I believe in hungry ghosts in this world, in my own heart sometimes. That's what this represents to me. But anyway, we have a ceremony to feed the hungry ghosts. It's performed every night in Zen monasteries and a few times a year on a larger scale for any deceased who may have been born in the hungry spirit or hell realms, as well as for nature spirits and all one's deceased relatives, whether or not they are in the hungry spirit realm. This ceremony gives them nourishment, human food transformed and made edible through the powerful intention expressed by mantras and mudras. Mudras are mystical hand gestures and encourages them to be born in a pure land and become awakened ones to benefit all beings. By the way, you don't stay in hell forever in Buddhism. You stay there a very long time, maybe, believe me, a long time. Uh, you know, like a few big bangs, but you eventually come out. Even heaven, by the way, is not considered an ideal place as a Buddhist. Do you know why? It's so nice, you actually get attached to it. And anyway, you eventually have to leave there too. The best place to be actually is as a human being, right on the cutting edge between heaven and hell, because this is where we can practice. This is where we can have real realization. One place, we're being punished, burning off that bad karma. The other place, too nice. Be fortunate that you were born as a human being. All right. Now, hungry spirits look for nourishment, particularly in the evening. Me too. About 8 o'clock, a little peckish, a couple of cookies. All right. Anyone? Okay. And during the Obon Festival in mid-July or August. You've seen that in Japan, the Dance of the Dead we have. We, we saw that, the Obon. The, the spirits actually come 
to the house and they have a party and everyone dances. Right? And then after a few days, the spirits are sent back to the other world. Ceremonies for liberating animals are performed occasionally for freeing animals from being killed and also to encourage them to be born in the next life in the pure land. Uh, bah, 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 bah. You're from Scuba University. Do you know they have this ceremony at the university for all the animals who are killed in experimentation? All the big scientists over at the university, the biologists, all for all the rats and guinea pigs, have a ceremony there. They call out the priest and they say, we've experimented on all these animals and we, we, we are grateful. And they have a Buddhist ceremony for all the animals killed at the university. And then they go back to being serious scientists after that. You use mice in your experiments, do you not? Remember that. Be nice to your mice. They were somebody's mother. You know that song? I gotta sing it. Be kind to your web-footed friends, cause a duck may be somebody's mother. Did you ever hear that song? It's an American children's song. I didn't realize it was about Buddhism until just now. Okay. Daily services in Zen temples involve making offerings, chantings, and dedications of merit generated from these. We believe in merit in Buddhism. The good things you do can be transferred to others. So, for example, it's like a spiritual bank account. If you do something, like uh, make a donation to a temple or uh, light incense or have a ceremony, you can actually either get the merit yourself, which will get your rebirth, or donate it to, for example, your deceased mother and say, help her. All right, if you want to do that. So remember, the good things you do in this life are transferable, right? Without, and no fees involved, no transfer fees. You don't need PayPal for this. There's no karmic PayPal. Just in your heart, you can transfer the fees of your good actions to help others, living or deceased. Okay, where am I here? Morning service is generally dedicated to awakened ones, Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, including Dharma protectors, and deceased ancestors. I'm going to basically skip through this uh, paragraph. And I'm going to go to the next paragraph. Memorial tablets, we have one right here. That's an ehi. It says all to all the Zen ancestors. But if your grandfather dies, we have one in the house for all. My wife's a Yamaguchi. All the Yamaguchi, her father has one with his name on it. All right? There are also big ones made of wood that you see at the gravesite called a toba or stupa. They look like this, but they're made of wood and they're much longer. With the deceased name, and this is a dwelling place in the human realm for the deceased person who has now potentially become an awakened reality body. In other words, the spirit comes from the other world, needs a place to stay, right? Needs a room. Can't stay in a hotel right here. This is the place that houses the spirit of the deceased. For me, it's a plaque with a name on it to remember. Is the spirit actually there? Yes, in my heart. Because I remember. Because I love. Because I'm grateful to the ancestors. They're there in my heart. But is the spirit actually there? Maybe. But in my heart, yes, you 
take it as you will. But you want to know something? And you're going to hear in a second about the Butsudan. The Butsudan, this is a, a kind of version we have back here. The Butsudan is the home altar for the ancestors. Are the spirits there? Do you know my mother-in-law gets up every day and talks to her deceased husband, reports everything in the family, asks him for advice, listens to him, and he's been gone for 15 years. He's in the Butsudan, the Buddhist altar in the house of the family. He's in the Ihai. She hears him. She speaks to him. She cries with him. She laughs with him. We bring, the family brings him food every morning. When you visit the house, the first thing you do, go is go there to the Ihai. You ring the bell and you say, hi, Grandpa. We're here. So he lives. He lives because he lives for the people. In that place. It is his home. Maybe we need this as human beings. We can't just let people go. We need to keep them close by. This is the place where they are. When we look at this, we see them. We see their face. All right? This is the high right here. Since the maximum time in a pure land... Becoming a Buddha is 33 years. Memorial tablets can be burned after the time has passed or kept as tablets. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Please excuse me for skipping this. I hope I'm not getting bad karma by rushing this. Uh, anyway, it says that the last sentence, a home Buddhist altar, especially if it holds memorial tablets, can be understood as a miniature representation of a pure land where the deceased one now dwells. Of course, non-physical beings are not limited to that particular dwelling place, but what that is where humans can meet them, make offerings to them, and receive their blessings. As I also said, love them, talk to them, cry with them, report about the new baby, report about the child who has entered high school, keep them close. So the Japanese don't want to let their ancestors go. Whether they're reborn, not reborn, the Japanese keep them closed. Don't we all need to do that? Now, one, one, one last second. I was originally going to read Shobogenzo Shoji, which is something I've spoken about many times. It's a beautiful section by Master Dogen in which he looks at not so much death, but living and dying and the right way to do it. I've spoken about it before, so I'm not going to speak it today, except one passage where he says, this is the right way to live. This is the right way to die. This is not advice about the spirits in the next world. This is advice for you and you and me now and when that time comes. Okay? I'm going to read this. The second paragraph of Shoji. This life and death is just the sacred life of Buddha. If we hate it and want to get rid of it, that is just wanting to lose the sacred life of Buddha. People want to run from death. Don't. As I sometimes say, live life as if your life depended upon it. Die with all your heart or die trying. Die as if it's a matter of life and death. That's what Dogen's saying here. If we stick in it, if we attach to life and death... This is also to lose the sacred life of Buddha. Don't be attached to life and fear death. Some people are even attached to death and fear life. Dogen often says, when life comes, 
let it be life and live. When death comes, let it be death. Just go. Everything in its time. We confine ourselves to the condition of Buddha. When we are without dislike and without longing, longing, then for the first time we enter the mind of Buddha. But do not consider it with mind and do not say it with words. When we just let go of our own body and our own mind and throw them into the house of Buddha, they are set into action from the side of Buddha. Boy, he had a way with words. And then we continue to obey this. In other words, the Buddha is without likes, without dislikes. Don't be too attached to this life. Live it. Now's your chance. And someday you will be an Ehi. When that time comes, we'll bow to you. In the meantime, let's sit and bow and remember and love and sometimes forgive because there were some hard folks out there. Forgiving is important too. And be grateful for all our ancestors. They had their suffering. May they know peace now. Anybody have a question or anything on their mind? Did I completely solve the mystery of life and death for you? Everything's... Anyone out there? No? Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Okay. Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.